She did make Sister Act 2 a lot better, more palatable. Oh, That's, there's no I was question. wondering if we were all going to hit the chorus together. Are we going to do it? Well, we could. This song. <laughs> you go first. I was like, letting her go. No, that's all right. I can't there's even. There's not a single I, version there's no of way this I can song hit Momo it. Yeah. that I'm comfortable singing. Not Roberta Flax, not Lauren Hill nope. for the Fugees. Like, I just, I just sit back. I do this part, though. Dun, 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 dun. That's the part where you start dancing. <laughs> exactly. That's where you get the, Right? Did you get your head going? Your shoulder going? Head bopping a little bit. <laughs> this is so high school for me. I think this is like my high school years right here. When did this song come out? This was early 90s. Yeah, that would have been it. Um, man, we were having an interesting conversation during the break, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not for air, clearly, but... Uh, Not for air. Yeah. Yeah. Fun you have stuff, to tune though. in to the, the podcast after dark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? After dark is the way to go. Um, so, Momo, l- let's talk about last night's game. We'll yeah. get back to the Lakers here in a second. So, Elsie and I were talking about this during the, our pre-show meeting on Zoom, and our reaction was the same. Hey, the Nets played some defense yesterday. Yeah, listen. You remember last time, last year when the Lakers were playing against the Rockets in the second round, and there was this crazy stat from the bubble, which was like Houston had the highest – defensive efficiency of any playoff team through the first whatever round, right? They played seven games their first round, but, and we were like Houston. And then the first, what, what, what game did they win? Was it game one or game two? Can't remember now. Uh, they won one of them. It was game, game one. one. Game one. Say, yeah. And they played some damn good defense. Like James Harden is long and he can play defense when he, when he, engages that way right, <laughs> right? like um, <laughs> i'm choosing my words carefully like very you know i think when they have to i mean kd i've seen him play some great defense like he can be a he can be your small ball center right and he's i mean the guy is seven feet tall and he can def- he can defend the the he could be your your safety back there right um mm-hmm. Kyrie, not his strength but can do it right can he? so because i have not seen it He's like he's a little like Rondo defense, right? Like kind of opportunistic. It's a lot of steals, oh, no, you know. Like no, no. look, Rondo I'm not saying Ro- <laughs> Rondo was an all ball defender too. In, in, yeah, in back in the day, okay. But back like in the you day. know, in his later in his later years, like he's more of a you he know played the angles. Be, yeah, yeah played the played, angles. Yeah. You know, kind of have yeah. he'd have good hands. He could get some deflections and tips. But like I don't think they they don't have to be this. They're not going to win with defense. They just have to not be historically bad. Right. Like they're, the the Nets since the Harden trade, I don't know what it is after last night's game, but they have like the highest efficiency offense, but also the lowest efficiency defense right. <laughs> since the trade. Right? Like they're right. they're they, they're historically great offensively and historically bad defensively. They just have to not be historically bad because they're right. gonna score. So yeah. as long as they just try just a little bit, and they did last <laughs> like, night. They played yeah. well down the stretch yeah. defensively. Yeah. And Kyrie, you know. He's in the midst of arguably the greatest 50-40-90 season in the history of this league. Hey, now. Hey, hey, hey. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. He's giving okay. you 28 Let's wait. Let's... a game. How many of those does Steve Nash have? How many of those? He's shooting. No, no, no. I'm not saying, you know, multiple. I'm saying a single 50-40-90 season. He's shooting yeah, okay. almost 54% from the field, about 45% from three, and about 95% from the free throw line. Give That's you 28 good. a night. Okay, I want to go look back at some of the good Steve Nash ones, though, because I feel like he well, did Steve, that so many years, and they were all Steve like Nash that. ain't never gave you 28 a night. I can tell you that right now. 
Yeah, let's go. Let's, now, let's, now, let's obviously, go look it up now. Now you got me curious. Let's go look it up on some I'm basketball pretty, I'm reference. pretty sure Steve Nash Navy gave you 54 from the field, 50, 45 from All right, from we're gonna three. we're gonna call up the we're gonna call up the basketball <laughs> reference. <laughs> and 95 from the free throw line. I yeah, mean, he he that he is the one who pioneered that though that season, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did it like what, like five or six times I or mean, something like that. Yeah. Bonkers. So Steve Let's, Nash. All right, here we go. Hold on, it. we're gonna I call got it. it. You got the, it. The first time he hit ni- over ninety percent was two thousand two three in Dallas, actually. Oh wow, early. No, but he didn't get fifty. He didn't get fifty percent there. Right. Okay, so let's scroll down. Okay. Now. Okay. So here here we go. Phoenix, two thousand five percent. Yeah. 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 Forty-four from three, fifty-one from the floor, ninety-two from the free throw line. Okay, so that's the benchmark. That's got to be right. So that's so Kyrie's season so far is above all those. Yeah, so far. So far. You're right. And what did yeah, he average? So that's what I'm saying. Like right again. now, he's in the midst of the greatest 50, 40, 90 season we've seen. Right. The, so the, far. The question, is, the question is, one, his health, but then also, two, how much is he giving up in the other end? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because there are dudes that I didn't know were in the league dropping 30 on him. How many assists a game is Kyrie averaging? Um, Almost six. Okay, so here's the difference. That year, this is this, 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 this year that we're talking about, Steve Nash was 18.6, okay, points a game, but he averaged 11.6 assists a game. Right. So that's, that's your difference. So, you know, five, instead of making five baskets himself, he's getting assists on those. That's the difference between those two. Nope, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And I don't anticipate, you know, I don't think Kyrie is going to end with the 50-40-90 season of inning capacity. He's yeah. never shot 50% from the field in his career before. Yeah. So there's no reason to think he's going to do it this year. But it just still. talks about it still talks about his ability to score and to score very effectively. Yeah. If he only paid attention to the defense enough to at least make it difficult for teams to set up their offense by guarding the guy who's initiating the offense his his opposite. Then, then I think he will even be in conversations for MVP. But because he's so porous on the defensive side of the ball, these amazing numbers that he's that he's posting right now really are nullified because he doesn't play D. Just the way that Harden's was nullified for not playing D. Yeah. yeah. By the way, speaking of Harden, I I feel like with Harden, you know, I know you kind of alluded to this a little Momo. He's done a really good job of managing the offense, like being the point guard, yeah. and he did this. You know, a little bit the first year with D'Antoni, right? Where he's he mm-hmm. had kind of one of these crazy assist seasons that first year when it was just him, right? Mm-hmm. Before they went to mm-hmm. the dribble-dribble offense that was the anti-D'Antoni system. Um, that first year, he did some of this, although he had a much higher burden of scoring. Look, man, they talked about it last night. Like, the Clippers, they were like, yo, there were just times where we played really good defense, and they did, and these guys just hit shots, it, yep. That's the type of stuff, though, in a close game that it's why I believe they're coming out of the Eastern Conference. I just so, have a hard time thinking they're going to play enough defense. Oh, I do. I do. To, to accomplish that goal. I think that last night proved they can play defense well enough. Yeah, I, I think they can play defense well enough to win. The question is, it's just going to be a matchup thing. Like, you know, I, I don't know if I like them against the Sixers. Just no. <laughs> because who who do they have who right, yeah, yeah who's gonna, gonna stop Embiid? And right. Ben Simmons defensively, 
I feel like can lock up Harden or Kyrie, whoever you put him on, right? He said all yeah. the all NBA defensive yeah. player. Yeah, and right. and it's like t- to me that's a t- that I I haven't I don't know. We'll see when they play during the regular season how they look when those two teams go. Those to me are the two teams that I think I don't know. Let's, let, if we're calling it now, uh, those are the ones I like in the East, but. You know, they're still Miami. Like, they've been really bad, but they, you know, let's, well, let's they give them some they've, time. Well, they've only played, like, literally, like, yeah. 52 minutes with their entire team. Right. The whole season. I mean, they're, that, they're like, COVID. they've been hit hard with COVID. Yeah, they've right. had some injury issues. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. That, they were kind of a not a team that people expected last year to get to the finals. But, like, you know, but the Bucks have this. been kind of, yeah. yeah, they're not yeah. this bad. And the Bucks yeah. have been kind of underwhelming, too. Um, compared to how they've been. Yeah, previously. they're playing well tonight, but yeah. they, they are yeah. underperforming a little bit. Yeah. Right, here's I Boston. You know? I got the Bucks, 76ers, Boston, then the Nets. Yeah, oh, wow. not me. Oh, man, I got the Nets way high. Let's in. continue I'm this. I'm on the Nets. Yep. I'm in too. Thank you. Thank you. So, Momo's my goldfish in Jerry Maguire. <laughs> uh, all right, let's, uh, let's continue this discussion. Plus, Paul George had some comments yesterday. And by the way, Jared Dudley's new book takes a shot at Paul George. So we've got all that coming up. Momo sticking around. We're back in four minutes, 710 ESPN. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Yo, yo, so Josh Gideon of Fullerton did not call us back today to win $180 in cash. <laughs> Damn, Josh. Sorry, Josh, if you're listening now, man, we call the name, you get called at 430. Show me the money. And you get 20 mm-hmm. minutes, and uh, you knew the rules. So tomorrow's cash prize is $360. Good Lord, that's a lot of money. So if you hear your name at 4.30, you got 20 minutes to call. And we really mean 20 minutes. It ain't 20 minutes like, you know, L.A. time. You know what I'm saying? It's 20 it minutes. black people 20 minutes. Right, or Hispanic people 20 mm-hmm. minutes, okay? Well, it's really an hour. Right, yes, exactly. <laughs> this is a real 20 minutes on the clock. Mm-hmm. And, and if you want to try to win those $360, you need to text right now the word MISSION to 40705. That's mission to 40705. Because if no one wins tomorrow, it rolls over to 540. And that's how this goes. That's a lot of money. So, that's what I'm calling in. <laughs> <laughs> Once it gets you call it as your alias? Mysterio? You know, Mysterio. Yeah. 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 No yeah. one to know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> speaking of no one will know, uh, no one, uh, J- Paul George felt no one knew his resume yesterday, according to him, that he deserved more respect in that game we were just talking about between the Nets and the Clippers. He said, quote, um, he deserves more respect. Only getting to the free throw line once is disrespectful. Um, Momo, he's, o- he's only averaging about four free throws attempt this year. He's taking more jumpers. He does attack the basket. But yeah. here's, my, here's my position on that. In that individual game, and we were watching it um, while we were on the air yesterday, did he deserve more calls? Sure, I think so. However, mm-hmm. however, you know, the refs do respect him more, more, more nights than not, but they also respect Kevin Durant. They also respect James Harden. They also respect the other guys a little bit too. And there were a lot of times when KD specifically was on him and did not get called 
and that's part of the game, right? Yeah, and I, look, I, I think like when you haven't won, there's just people like Paul who like whenever they complain, people just get on. Like Dwight Howard was like that in his heyday, right? There's just I don't know what it is about them. Maybe they just show you a little too much of themselves. Maybe they, you know, like they they expose themselves a little. So when they sh- when you show vulnerability, like people, I don't know. I think they kick Paul around a little bit more yeah. than he deserves, right? right. Um, he earns and, it, though, girl. Come on, Momo. No, come he on. I think I'm with you, Momo. I think he gets too much. He called himself playoff P. No one, yeah, no but, one asked for yeah, it. Yeah, but he had. He was top three MVP that year. No, he was no one asked year. for it. No one asked for a playoff P. He gave himself that <laughs> no, nickname. No one asked him that. No one asked for that. No one. That's true. I mean, look, I didn't ask anybody to give me a nickname too, and it happened. It just happened, and I rolled with it. And then every once in a while, I'll catch myself. I'll be like, did I just call myself by my nickname in the third person? I did that. Yeah. <laughs> did I just say like, yeah, Momo? I called myself I'm, Momo. I'm, like I'm like referring to myself. As, I get it. I understand. I, what you're saying. I, I just. It I is just a little self-important. Get... I just need to get this off my chest one more time in regards to him because it's ridiculous. This is is a man who told us he wanted to be a Laker, named his dog Kobe. Right. But when there was an opportunity to be a Laker, he chose not to be. Correct. Then this is a man who, when he was traded to the Clippers, on Paul George Day in Oklahoma City, he said he always wanted to be a Clipper, grew up watching the Clippers, even though before that he was always wanted to be a Laker. Then last season, we find out he says, I wanted to be, if I wanted to always want to play with Kawhi, I would have played in San Antonio. And I'm just like, so you almost made me curse. I'm, I'm like, dog, <laughs> just stop talking because okay, it's so not, it's you not that you're revealing too much of yourself. It's mm-hmm. just that you're lying too much to us and we are tuning you out now and you are undermining your own credibility and your own cachet because you can't stop lying. So I think Paul, like one of the problems that happened when Paul was in Indiana, right? It was like, do you remember when his agent had to like go on the record with the trade request? Right? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yes. And that was kind of a big deal because usually agents don't do that. They risk getting fined. Um, they read, you know, that was, that was like a big deal to, for that to be so public. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why is because Paul is, I find this is, I'll just tell you my experience. Okay. Cause we can disagree about this. I think he's a really nice guy. I agree. I think he's sensitive. Yes. I think he mm-hmm. is, a, a, I think he wants people to like him yep. and I don't think he wanted to be the heavy. I don't think he wanted to be the guy in Indiana who said, I'm really not doing this. So when they would have conversations about his future, like you know, they the 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 the, the, the Pacers kind of felt like they were getting mixed messages. On the one hand, they were hearing he didn't didn't know if he wanted to stay there, if he was going to resign. But on the other hand, when they would meet with him in person, he would kind of like be nice about it. Like he wouldn't exactly say, "No, I'm out." You know, like, "No, I'm leaving you." So it finally got to a point where some clarity was needed, right? And I can understand that because it's hard to deliver the bad news, right? It's really hard to say something you know is going to not only upset somebody, but drastically up, uproot their franchise. <laughs> okay? So, like, I get it. That's why you have agents. And I've learned in my career to have difficult conversations, but that has taken me a while. And even sometimes I just call my agent and have them do it because I don't want to have that conversation myself. That's literally what you pay them for. So I, there's a part of me that wants to give Paul a little break. I just think he wants, I think he's one of those guys that maybe doesn't want to say 
the bad news. That's why I like what he which, said which about last season was so surprising to me because, like, usually he doesn't come that straight with it on the that, bad news. I'm perfectly fine with him not yeah. wanting to be the heavy. I'm perfectly fine with yeah. him not wanting to have those difficult conversations. What irritates me is that he wants to occupy both spaces as a heavy and also the person who doesn't want to be the heavy. And I'm just like, listen, dog. Mm, okay. Like, I actually feel as if the Lakers dodge a significant bullet by not trying to have you carry this franchise when LeBron eventually retires in 2050. Because it is clear to me that you can't carry a franchise because you can barely carry yourself. Right. It, well, it, you're basically telling him pick a side on some of this stuff. Yes. That's what you're saying. Yeah, and he kind of yeah. sticks to the bit. You're right. He, does, he doesn't pick sides. But, uh, like, like, there's a part of me that's, like, kind of okay with that. I understand people who, like, want people to like them. I tend to be a little bit like that myself. No, I get right? that, too. Okay. But I think with him, like, what we've learned is that I do think Paul could be a championship player. I just don't know that he can be the best player on that team. Correct. Like, no. To me, Correct. he's, like, more Pau Gasol than Kobe. Even though he grew up loving Kobe, okay, and named his dog Kobe or whatever you had, right? Like, like so to me, like I think I believe him when he says, and and I and I know how these interviews get going, okay. I think he grew up a Clipper fan, and I think he grew up a Kobe fan. I think it was both because I literally went out to Palmdale and talked to people who knew him back then, and they they that's what they said. Like his high school guys said he was a Clipper fan, and he but he loved Kobe, and I could kind of see how that would happen. Like, so where did just, the Spurs come from? Well, he was just on. Well, this, he wanted to play with, with Kawhi. They, he went to Fresno. Well, State. you remember he Kawhi was, played at yeah. San Diego State. They played each other. I think also in high school. Yeah, or maybe and Kawhi wasn't saw he part him in of high the Ju- well, and then Kawhi almost played with him in Indiana with the George Hill situation. Right. 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 And I, I, and then I, I think can't. at one point they they were talking because yeah. they kind of have some like people um, in common in common like like from AAU ball, high school ball, Inland Empire, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like the IE baby. Yeah, so Pablo's not IE, but they, you know, they just kind of know I-E-ish. some of the same people. IE-ish, IE adjacent. It's good like Beverly person. Hills adjacent in Beverly Wood, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? He's a good person. He's extremely talented. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he, that's all fine and dandy. Yeah. It's, it's just personally. Yeah. The kind of people that I like in my life are the kind of people who have enough courage to say this is where I stand. Sure. And I just sure. have very little patience for people whose flagpole is constantly moving depending upon who's around. Yeah. I get Paul, that. You know, Paul George is the dude who said a CJ Miles is his dude and I'm going to make that play every time. And then he hear criticism and then he comes out the next day and says, right. CJ, got to give me that ball back. Right. Yeah. He, he's not super confident in himself. That is clear. But he may not be after what we hear what Jared Dudley said about him. We'll have that. Plus, Jared mm. Dudley joined us a while ago and kind of mocked him in the Clippers. We'll have some of that for you on the other side. And then Momo and LZ and I, we're going to talk about the big battle coming up on Thursday right here on this station as the Nuggets, who are super hot right now and Jokic and company, are going to take on the Lakers. We'll get into that matchup in two and a half minutes. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. 
Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Happy birthday, Daddy Yankee. Yeah. 44 today. How quickly did I get back to you on that, Laura? Really quick. I was like, ooh, girl. This is like on my permanent workout list. (laughs) It's booty day. Yep, this is on my permanent mix. <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, right? Yeah, that's great. I love Daddy Yankee. Whose walk-up, who's walk-up music is this? Was it Kike? He was. He was. He had Daddy Yankee in the mix a few times over the years, I believe. Yeah. Somebody, this was somebody on the Dodgers walk-up music. Yeah. Have we officially mourned Kike Hernandez leaving? Yeah. Have we had this? Yeah. Momo, you're a little muffled. Am I muffled? Now. Okay, I'll stand up. Okay. There we go. Let's walk around a little bit. Oh, wow. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. Much better? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> have we, Have we like, finally made, has ever, has, is everyone over this yet? Have we had, like, the bye, Kike time? Because I know he I put did. up all his, yeah. LZ and I, LZ. I'm sad, Phil. Yeah, he's still sad. I'm I mean, Kike's sad. great, you know? I'm going to be sad for a long time. I, I think. So, so am I. Yeah. You know, he was like one of my favorite all-time baseball players, and he still will be, just not in LA anymore. Not for me. He's a Red Sox now. That's it. It's okay. Oh, you're like yeah. one of those. You just like you're dead to me now. You can't go to Boston. Boston I don't know. Team. I don't begrudge anybody getting paid, especially. Listen, I, I, listen Alex Cora. Alex Cora and I are friendly, and I, yeah. and I and I know that he he's done some stuff, so I get it. Um, but I told him, bro, I love you, and I I I told him I I would. <laughs> I told Dang. him one time, I said, I'm less mad at you about the, the stuff that happened, uh, you know, before <laughs> than you going back to the Red Sox. You should have gone somewhere else. Wow. That's I intense. I like that in you. I didn't know you had that kind of thug life in you, George. That's Nah, good. dog. No Red Sox. That's it. That's the way it now works. No problem with that. I got no. I can't lie. Boston teams, like, just not feeling that. Yeah, I, I, I get that, you know. Um, like, I, I totally, I get that. And I don't have that necessarily with the Red Sox. Um, I just, I don't know, maybe more of the Celtics, right? Because I grew up in L.A. with the Lakers-Celtics right. rivalry, right? So, yeah. like, it's, that's, that's a hard one. Um, but then, I don't know, I covered that team with the, the, the Doc Rivers KG team. And, yeah. I mean, they were really fun to cover, too. <laughs> so, I don't want to, you know, it's weird when you, you grow up fans of teens and then when you, you do this for a living, like, oh, no, it's different, a lot of that sure. fades. For sure. Yeah. Listen. And changes. Ken- right? If you would have told me that Kendrick yeah. Perkins and I would become friends, I would have right? laughed you out of the room. You know what I'm totally. saying? Like, you me know, too. But, yeah, but he's great, you know. Um, but, look, these guys are great. And, you know, Jared Dudley is one of those guys. We've had him on the show. Momo, you've talked to him a million times. Yep. So he has a book out, right? And he tweeted it out today. And there's some clips that have come out from the book. And, of course, we were just talking about Paul George. And I feel like LZ uh, – Jared Dudley's going to be LZ's spirit animal right now. So here's an excerpt that's out there. And his new book, Jared Dudley, is called Inside the NBA Bubble. Uh, obviously, we all know what it's about. Uh, he says, quote, we hear some of these guys talking about how they're the team to beat in L.A. It's fine if Kawhi says stuff like that. He's a defending champion. We don't trip if someone like Pat Bev is talking trash. That's how he feeds his family. We get it. We respect the hustle. But we think it's disrespectful for Paul George, who hasn't won, to put himself on the level of Braun and AD. This Ooh. motivates us. Mm. True. I get it. I mean, look, Jared has, by the way, this, I've read a lot of excerpts of this so far. I need to, like, listen to him actually read the whole thing himself. Right. Um, I, this sounds like a great book, by the way. Yeah. Because, um, you know, some of the stuff that he even talked about in 
how the Lakers experienced China, the way they, the, the stuff that went on in the bubble, like all of that Laker Clipper stuff. There's a lot in there and he's pretty candid. Um, but I would say like with him, it's, I think the Clippers, like one of the things I think the Lakers really took offense to, and this is what we all noticed, like they didn't like those, they didn't like those billboards all year. Yep. They didn't like that. You know, there was that billboard. Like if you if you go to the Lake, LA our way or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they're all over the place. They didn't like the street lights versus uh, versus you know spotlights. versus spotlights, yeah. right? Earn, they didn't not like given all that. or whatever. It yeah. Was. Yeah, 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 they got they. But you know what? I will like the, the it wasn't just the players. Like I think both organizations were like this too. I mean, all the way up the food chain. And I think like they, the Lakers saw all that, but they kept their mouth shut. Like they didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Because the Clippers were winning every little head-to-head battle, right? They got Kawhi and Paul George. They got the trade down. Then they got Marcus Morris. They got Reggie Jackson. Like, whoever you want to say. Like, whenever there was, like, a direct competition between the two of them, like, the Clippers kept kind of getting the upper hand. And the Lakers would just sit back and just say, okay, we'll see at the end. We'll see at the end, right? Like, it was almost like the whole time they were waiting for that ending <laughs> and knew it was going to happen. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how they had that confidence, but – Maybe because they had Bron and AD, and they just knew that this is how it would go. And the thing that's so funny is that a lot of the like the gear and stuff mm-hmm. from the Clippers is really yep. nice. It is. It's well yeah. designed, well thought out. Like I didn't, I didn't necessarily buy into the motive, the motivation behind yep. putting all that stuff up, but the execution, I can't argue with it. It was, it was pretty spot on. Yeah, what and if you're the I'm, underdog to be feisty, that's that's probably good. That's why that's what Clipper fans like when they're feisty. But, if, but they weren't acting like underdogs, which I think is the difference. Yeah, they were acting as if they had 15 chips. The Lakers had mm-hmm. 17 chips, and it was like, who's getting the next one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, here's the thing: this is one of Steve Mason's sayings, okay, which I think is a words to live by, right? You never want to oversell and underdeliver. Right. You want to undersell and over deliver. Right. Right. Like, right. in other words, don't get people all hyped and then let them down, because when you fall, you're going to fall real hard. Right. right. And that's what happened to the Clippers last year. They finally started. They flexed a little too hard and then didn't back it up. So I, I like I think what Paul has said, and I don't think he gets enough credit for saying this is, yeah, yeah we deserve all the criticism. Like he did say that we deserve all the what they got. So, Momo, we have Laura was able to find from when Jared was on with LZ and I, all right. um, you know, when was he on LZ? Like after, right after the championship. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, back in December after the championship, about you know a month or so later or whatever it was, or right before the season. That's what it was. Okay. Right before this season, and he had some comments to us about Paul George. Go ahead. I think that even if it was true, what he's saying, no one cares. No one wants to hear it. Did you get the job done or not? I'm not here to criticize Doc. I've done that in the past. Doc is a hell of a coach. He's a champion. Is he flawed? Yes, we're all flawed. Did sometimes something happen? Did he not practice a lot? No, he doesn't practice a lot. That's his style. His whole thing is keeping the body fresh. They didn't lose because of that. They are up double digits both times. That's a place. That was when Paul George made those comments with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson on their up, uh, all, all the Smoke podcast about Doc Rivers, you know, mm-hmm. running him around like Ray mm-hmm. Allen and J.J. Redick when it was debunked very quickly by Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer that he ran more pick and roll than he ever had in his career. <laughs> and this yeah. is what I mean. This is what yeah. I mean. And, like, I, I'll be honest. Doc is my boy. Mm-hmm. Like, I have so much respect for him. And when I heard those comments coming from Paul George, I was like, yo, dog, Doc wasn't out there shooting 
three-pointers off the side of the backboard. Mm -hmm. Doc wasn't trying to make you something that you weren't. This is who you were in Oklahoma City Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when you barely made the playoffs with Russell Westbrook. Like, this is you. And the fact that you tried to, like, throw Doc under the bus for some coaching stuff when at the end of the day, you're the one that scored, like, zero points in the fourth quarter. Like, I don't know what, you know, it's like, where is this coming from? I mean, you know, what is it? Have you always felt this way about Paul or was it especially so after last season? It was after, it was, you know when it really, really was? Mm. It was in his days in, in Oklahoma City. Oh, okay. It was it was then because that's when you started to hear him kind of chirp a lot more. Mm-hmm. While I'm also still waiting for him to back up the chirping. And I was like, Yo, dog, like I hear you, but your team is out of the playoffs and it's like March. Right. <laughs> like, like when when is all this talking going to translate to you winning on the court? Because you're with an MVP who's going into the Hall of Fame in his prime still. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's not like you don't have a running mate, but, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time figuring out you know, how you're getting to some of the things you're saying based upon the things you have been doing since expectations have been heaped upon you. Yeah. When you didn't have these, you know, these sort of expectations. When you were facing Miami, you were the underdog. You were supposed to lose and you balled out. That's great. But ever since you were supposed to do something, I haven't seen any evidence of you backing those expectations I mean, up. it's an oversell under deliver. Right, okay? right, that's, right. That's what it is. It's right. oversold. And also, there's something about... Like Pat Bev is always going to be the underdog, okay? He's yep. he's you know he's not even supposed to be in the league. He's supposed to be playing in Ukraine or whatever. Yeah, he he's been at, cut, right? cut a million times, right? Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. and 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 so like everybody roots for Pat Bev because they know how hard it took for you know for him to get here. You know they knew how hard it is for him to stay here. How hard it was, you know, with Paul, like he's a lottery pick, right? Like what was he thirteen or something yeah. like something in that mm-hmm. range? Um, like in other words, he he like there much too much is given, much is expected. Like he's been on the cusp of this kind of greatness for years. And he's either going to win or, or he's going to forever be the one who leaves you wanting more. Or he'll have a Dwight Howard late career turn and get a championship, you know, playing the fourth role, right. you know, the fourth right. best player right. on the right. team right. or something. Whatever. Momo, before we let you go, yeah. um, uh, you know, Lakers are playing the Nuggets uh, tomorrow here yeah. on this station. Uh, Jokic has been incredible putting this team on his back here recently. Unbelievable. Um, you know, we talked about Anthony Davis's kind of slow number, you know, slow start to the season by his standards. You know, Jokic has had some success against AD as well. Um, where do you have this Nuggets team right now? And where do you have Jokic in the MVP conversation? Man, we got about I, a minute. We got yeah, a minute. Yeah, no, look, the thing with Jokic is he's he's usually a slow starter because he kind of plays his way into shape. Like, he's not mm-hmm. a big workout dude who comes in, like, ripped. But I think the, the, the quick turnaround actually helped. Because right. he didn't get out of shape like he normally does, right? <laughs> so, like, he's just, like, awesome right now. He, he looks like he just picked up right where he left off in the bubble and he's like playing at that level and they, he's, they've needed it. Cause they, they haven't had a lot of their guys. Michael Porter jr. Missed a lot of times with COVID. Yeah. And you know, so I, I've, I'm, I'm much higher on Denver than other people just because of the strides I saw them make. I still think they're like a player away. And I don't know, maybe that player is Michael Porter jr. Right. Or Bradley Beal or Bradley Beal or whatever, whatever it is. They're still, they still feel like, you know, look, Jokic is great, but we saw what the Lakers did to him in yeah. the playoffs. They yeah. just put Dwight yeah. Howard on him and said, you got six fouls, use them. Right. You know, and, and 
you know, make him mad while in the process. So, like, they have a playbook for him, but, you know, they're also younger, hungrier, and if they get that player, you know, if they get that one more player, then they're going to have a lot more depth. They're an interesting team, yeah, for yeah. sure at that point. Momo, as always, we love you. Thank you for hanging out with us. Should we play that song again? Because I'm on dance. Give it That's to me. Uh, yeah, do it. Yeah, it Lauren, it you got it, it for like Dura. an outro? Dura. There it is. There we go. I'm going to dance. <laughs> there she is. Bumble, How thank you. How can you not dance to this song? I know. Especially on Booty I'm working it. Yeah. Laura, said, Laura, tell her what you just said to me. I, she go? I said Momo is Latina in another life somewhere. She's Latina. Yeah, yeah I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All I right, mean, Momo. See I'll go with it. <laughs> All right, Momo, take care. I'm just dancing. All right. <laughs> this portion of the show is presented by Alignment Health Plan, changing health care one person at a time. Coming up next, what you need to know, including a big bombshell story in the NFL. We'll be back in two minutes. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What You Need to Know is brought to you by Morongo. Play it safe, good times. Thanks to Momo for joining us there. Greg, what do you got? So, out randomly outspoken quarterback recently, Brett Favre was talking to Yahoo Sportsbook and Minty Betts, and he said about the Deshaun Watson trade, you get paid a ton of money to do a certain job, and just do it, and let the chips fall where they may. I think we make too much money to voice an opinion, but I'm not saying he's wrong. Again, I think it's a different day and time, and it'll be interesting to see how the organization handles it. George, what do you think of Favre's comments? I think Brett Favre needs to shut the hell up. Uh, Brett Favre, if you recall, when he was playing, got involved with Javon Walker's negotiations, who was a Pro Bowl-type receiver. Um, And he said very similar stuff. Um, Walker became kind of hated amongst the Green Bay faithful because of the way Favre painted him. Walker didn't get paid and then broke his leg that season and ruining his career. So you know what? Brett Favre has done this before, and I don't want to hear it. I'm kind of over Brett Favre in that sense. Yeah, he's trash. Like, commentary, Brett Favre is trash. Player Brett Favre was entertaining and fun and a Super Bowl champion and a Hall of Famer. Right. Commentator Brett Favre is straight trash. <laughs> yeah, not feeling it. Not so, feeling uh, it. all right, that's what you need to know. Brought to you by Morongo. Play it safe. Good times. So, LZ, you and I had Ryan Smith on earlier because a big bombshell story in the NFL – Uh, about the concussion case that was settled, uh, in theory, (laughs) about seven or eight years ago. Now, there's new information based on an investigation from ABC News, and um, Ryan Smith, who works for ABC News, and of course us here at ESPN as well, was part of that reporting. Uh, You were on with him earlier on ABC. He was on with us earlier here. So for those that don't know what's up with this story, so let me just kind of make a a very quick um, summary of how this works. So the way NFL players are tested for concussions, there is a baseline test. And what that means, it's like a cognitive test that every player has to do uh, when they are not concussed, right? And mm-hmm. in that situation, they find themselves uh, creating the baseline, whatever the norm is for them. So when they are concussed, 
and they lose their cognitive abilities, they have to take that test. And then it's, that's how they judge how long a person's out, et cetera, et cetera, yada, 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 okay? So those same tests are also done um, in, regards when it, in regards to the lawsuit that took place and was allegedly settled back in 2013. But this report, that this investigative report by ABC, found that there are some discriminatory actions going on here between the differences in the baseline test and the cognitive skills for the white players and the black players, which means the NFL could find itself in some hot water for money, more money, and, at the, and playing with people's lives a little bit too, right? So Ryan was on, and I asked... Say- Ryan was on, and I asked him just about the basics of the lawsuit, and here's what he said. Well, the basics of this, George and LZ, is these players are suing because they say when the NFL has doctors analyze players' claims who say they've suffered head injuries from playing in the league, that those doctors are made to apply a standard called race norming. And essentially that standard says before players even step on the field, they have, black players have a lower cognitive level than white players. So when it comes to trying to prove that you have a cognitive decline from playing football, you have to prove more. You have a greater burden to prove it to show that compared to, to white players. So essentially, you have a greater burden to prove uh, a, a cognitive decline. And, and so in a couple of ways, this is not only using a different way of looking at two groups of players, but the NFL has said this is not a required thing. It's an optional thing. The players have said if it's optional, when we win our claims, why do you appeal and then say you didn't apply the norms? So it's a difficult situation for the NFL, but for these players to begin with who are filing this lawsuit, they're saying, how could you say at the beginning we have lower cognitive levels than white players in any analysis that deals with whether we receive compensation? All right, so let's do this real quick, LZ, because there's two things at play here. Number one, the lower cognitive levels is insulting to begin with, right? And then number two, that cost them money in the settlement on top of that. <laughs> Because they had a larger burden to prove, as Ryan pointed out. So it's like, to me, double jeopardy with the NFL. I don't even know. Like, I, like I'm truly baffled at the genesis of all this, George. And I don't mean that to be flippant or anything like that. But I, I, I can't figure out why no one in any step of this said, hey, guys, this feels a little bit racist. We sure we want to do this? Two... This is a settlement that has been about 20, almost 30 years in the making. Mm -hmm. When you go back and look at how the NFL first denied there was a link between the game and brain damage and went so far as to hire the lawyers, this is how ridiculous they are. They went and hired the lawyers that defended the tobacco industry who was telling out there was no link between tobacco and cancer. Right. They hired those guys <laughs> to help defend Whoops. their stance on brain injuries yeah. in the NFL. Right. And this is in the 90s. Yeah. So there's funny as a suit, there's funny as a resolution, and instead of going, all right, we've, we've, we've punted on this for 20 years, let's go ahead and take care of the man who made us rich, they decide that in a league that has been 70% black for most of the past 10 to 15 years – that they're going to treat black players as if they started off this game dumber than the white players. Correct. That's what this means. This yeah. means that the NFL has basically said, 
black players are more dumb, Correct. dumber, stupider than our white players. And that also right. So that is the that was the first thing I mentioned, right? Like that's insulting to begin with. Then the the the, the secondary part is that assumption or whatever that they created in their in 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 their testing cost the black players more money. Right. In the settlement. Right. Like it's 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 absolutely bonkers and I want to be shocked. But I want to be shocked because I want to believe we've made some progress in this country. Mm-hmm. Because this is the league that said that quarterbacks were too dumb, where black quarterbacks were too dumb to play quarterback in the NFL, the system was too complicated. That was an open discussion. Like, we don't believe black players are smart enough to handle a, a complicated offense to play quarterback, which is why you had such a hard time getting black men to be quarterbacks in this league. Then it came about coaching and whether or not they can manage coaching a team. And then it was about team presidents and GMs. And you thought maybe, just maybe we've passed all this black men are dumb sort of mantra that has is, that is really defined much of the decision making in the NFL. Then this story comes out. And you're just sitting here like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. So we asked Ryan uh, about like, okay, so what's the NFL's response been? And here's what Ryan Smith said. So they've said these allegations and this lawsuit is entirely misguided. And their point is, not only do we not require these norms to be used, they're more of a tool that people can use, that neuropsychologists can use, but they've also said that this was part of the settlement they agreed to. And this is one of the problems, I think, that this lawsuit will face. They've essentially said, look, we've litigated a lot of the issues around this settlement in front of a federal judge. This has already been decided in federal court. There's nothing we're doing here, according to the NFL, that's wrong. And they've also made the point that they've instilled this standard not to discriminate, but to fight against discrimination. And let me explain part of the theory around that. The theory is that this is a tool using race sometimes in in the medical profession is used to to sort of get a better sense of the patient. So that is kind of what they're saying here. It's used to get a better sense of the patient. But what what the doctor we interviewed was telling us was, no, it's not used that way. It's told to us, use it, and start with a lower cognitive level, and if you're not using it, it could be used to deny the claims. Now, guys, I just wanted to point out something here. The NFL doesn't decide these claims. What happens is you've got a former player who said he suffered head injuries and it's causing him major problems right now. He files a claim for compensation. They send him to a neuropsychologist, and that's where the issue happens. If a neuropsychologist in one of the players' cases who filed a lawsuit he analyzed one of the players, and he said, yeah, this guy has mild dementia. He needs to get compensation. But once the norms were applied, once he had to look at him as having a lower cognitive level to begin with and say, well, how much has he declined from assuming that he has a lower cognitive level to begin with, then the claim didn't pass muster. And so that's the problem. And from the NFL's perspective, their part is, hey, look, we're not deciding these claims. A neutral third party does, a claims administrator. But if it doesn't go, the NFL can appeal those claims. So what's been happening is the NFL in at least one of these cases, appealed the claim and said, you didn't apply the norms. And then the norms were applied and the claim was denied. Yeah, so it, this is this is going to be relitigated, my guess, in some way, shape, or form, LZ. And I don't blame the players for, for going back at this and, no. and trying to kind of get back in this conversation. No, it's, it's just so, it's so embarrassing, you know, because it feels as if the NFL is in this hamster wheel between domestic violence 
and race and he can't get out of his own way. Right. And you're just sitting here like, and I know people are like going, well, if you hate it so much, why do you keep listening? Why do you keep watching? You know, boycott, blah, 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 blah. Listen, the music industry was very racist for a number of years. Super racist for right. a number of years. It didn't, didn't mean stop black you from listening, listening to music. music. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. So, you know. It's going to be fascinating to kind of see how this uh, all kind of boils down and how this stuff works out, man. It, it is going to be interesting stuff for sure. Um, all right. Here's the deal. Coming up next, LZ, you and I are going to actually talk some football. Do you know what? there's a game this weekend? Did you know that? Pro Bowl? No, the Super Bowl. Oh, I knew there was a bowl. I just it, couldn't remember which one. I Can I get a little Super Bowl? Well, if the Rams were in it, you would. I'm going right. to give you a half one. Super okay. Bowl! All right, that works. I'll take that. <laughs> um, the Chiefs are three-point favorites. Coming up next, why the Chiefs could find themselves in a historic situation coming up this weekend. We'll get into that. Coming up, stick around. We're back in three minutes. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 